Warning, this podcast will challenge your thinking. Welcome to Business Problems Solved. In this podcast, we help you solve your business problems by providing real examples and practical approaches to make today better than yesterday. Introducing your host, the multi-sector, self-professed, most improved improvement person and qualified business problem solver, Lee Horton. Hey, it's Lee. Welcome to Business Problem Solved. Today it is another episode on real people, real stories, real value. And I can guarantee the person in front of me is definitely a real person. Lots of stories and definitely loads of value. So Gloria Milner, how are you? I'm great today. Wonderful. Amazing. In New York City on a beautiful sunny day. Wow, I think I think you might be the first international guest for this mini series on the podcast as well. So, uh, so so welcome uh, all the way all the way from New York. So, if people don't know who Gloria is, who is Gloria, and how has she got to that seat today? Oh my goodness, love the question. So, Gloria Milner in an apartment, Upper East Side, New York City, <laughs> and a life coach. Uh, helping professional women achieve a work-life balance, which is my story. And I'll take you back, but not um, not eons, but my education in English and uh, graduated a BA and an MA in English and then taught high school English in DC for about six years because I was the generation where women were expected to teach or do nursing or in that way, shape or form not be... Uh, C-suite people. Um, I then moved back to New York where I'm originally from and uh, wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. I kind of burned out because I was uh, doing all kinds of special projects, upward bound, working with disadvantaged children, going to jails, helping them and uh, a real social service um, uh, type of thing. I decided to uh, pursue the English part of my journey. A person said to me, you have an English degree. Why don't you think about advertising? So I got into the advertising business first as um, uh, an assistant uh, to a madman. And that was the 80s and 90s. And all kinds of crazy things were going on in this uh, particular organization. One one second there, sorry, Gloria. When you say madman, what do you mean madman? Uh, The show, Madman. If you've ever seen it. Yeah. Yeah. So people in I'm sorry, uh, people in the United States know that uh, maybe it's worldwide uh, Mad Men, which is basically all about the era of the 80s and 90s with drugs and alcohol and sexual adventures of people in the media business. And I was smack in the middle of that, but a pretty straight lady and very few women except for the secretaries. So I said, how do I advance? Uh, I went into research. And then I said, how do I advance again? And I knew what sales was my deal. So I positioned myself uh, to sell the Red Sox and the Bruins, which are teams in the United States at a local station in Boston and did that for a year and then came back to New York and joined an organization where I was only one of three women selling of of 200 people in the organization. And I sold media time to people, uh, to stations on behalf of stations throughout the country. So if you were in Denver, Colorado and saw Toyota, I would be the person to negotiate the deal uh, for the station. And it was high pressure. 
and it was uh, parties and all kinds of things. But yeah. the crazy thing was that I was a woman and the buyers at the media agencies, the ad agencies were women. They didn't really want to see me. They wanted to see the good looking guys that could take them out to all the expensive restaurants and um, parties. So I had to be better than all these men. And I would sit around conference room tables and there'd be chauvinistic comments. And it was really difficult. There was not even a maternity policy. I was I, I, I met and married my husband at that time. Yeah. And there were, I, I was the one that broke the ceiling for the maternity policy. Wow. So just, just a couple of questions on this, Glory, actually. is How did you keep going? So how, how did you have that, that desire and drive? Or what was it inside <laughs> you that had a desire and drive? Because two parts of your story so far, you have been in the minority as, um, a, a, as a lady in, 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 in two different positions. Um, is that something that you consciously wanted to do or found yourself <laughs> in? Um, and, and, and how did you keep going? Yeah, so um, I think that um, I had the drive to help people and it was innate in me. My parents uh, kind of were that type of people and, and gave back in many ways. And so maybe there's a little bit of genes, but my father was a very driven man. He was from a, a, a large family, a Jewish family in the Lower East Side in tenements, and he was the first to go to college. And he was extremely driven. He's a CPA and opened his own firm. Wow. So maybe some of that. But then in the advertising field, when I was there, I think that um, my husband played a really big part in that. And my husband was a Holocaust survivor, 14 years older than me. And um, and he was self-made. He was um, functionally illiterate. And I was teaching him to write. Uh, but he was a super businessman. And he just I remember one incident where I was just starting and I didn't know what I was doing. And it was such a high pressure and I had to succeed. It was like six in the morning by the elevator in the apartment building. I said, I don't want to go to, to work. They're going to fire me. I can't do it. And he said, Gloria, get in there. Get in there. These are ordinary people. They eat one meal a day uh, at dinner like you. They go to the bathroom just like you. Don't, don't be, you know, um, feeling that you're lesser than. You can do it. And, you know, I had tremendous support for him. Yeah, love that. Love that. I, I think so. When um, just back onto your parents, just just for a moment, actually. So because you said that they played a big a big part in this. Did they keep you um, keep challenging or keep suggesting? And when you were in these positions, I, I, in fact, let me rephrase the question. When you were in these positions as a minority, as a female in, in, in yeah. both of those roles that you spoke about, yeah. what did your, what advice did your family offer and share? Did they want you to put yourself in these positions or did they encourage you to, to pursue a different and maybe an easier, more traditional path? Well, that's such an interesting question you mentioned uh, because my father felt that I was not good in business and not good in numbers. And he and I used to go study together through high school in, in math. And so when I decided to go into the media, which was all numbers and selling, he said, Gloria, you know, I, uh, are you sure? So I didn't get that affirmation or empowerment from him, but I did it anyway, because I felt like what would be the worst thing that could happen? I didn't even know how to use a calculator. That's how far back that was. And I went, how hard could that be? You know? yeah. And I succeeded. But um, but 
you know, I, I think that uh, there was a sense that um, I could do it and I wanted to to succeed where others may not have. And 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 that drove me. Um, and and so what I want to uh, continue on is that while I was in the advertising business, my husband had been leasing a small property in Times Square. And that was in 1979 when it was a DMZ zone. And um, it was a really rough hotel, but he was a really rough guy. And he was he was um, in the Times Square area behind bulletproof glass. And it was he was the manager and um, it was called an SRO, uh, single room occupancy. So um, he ran it that way for about 25 years until Giuliani came in, cleaned up Times Square. And then he bought out his partners of the leasehold. And he said, Gloria, you got to get in here because I don't know how to do computers. And we turned it into a 41 room bed and breakfast. And he told me, Gloria, I want you to work in the front and run the place. So I literally marketed the whole place because I knew what I was doing from advertising from zero to many, <laughs> much, much money a year. It was a walk-up hotel at 46th and 8th near every Broadway theater. And, um, and, and we were amazingly successful. I was in every guidebook on the net and I supervised a staff of 12 with all reservations. We went through 9-11 blackouts and um, it was the most probably in some ways the most fulfilling job or position I've ever had because I would see people from all over the world every day. I would grow a business tremendously. Wow. And our accountant would come in and do our books and he'd go, I don't believe this. A walk-up hotel, you're doing these kinds of numbers. What are you doing? <laughs> so we caught the wave of the tourist uh, wave in the uh, 80s and 90s in New York. And then I knew from traveling around the world what it meant when you went to a hotel. So my my goal was we're going to be cheaper and va- good value, but kill them with kindness and give them five-star service. Wow. Wow. So is that what the secret of that success was? Those those um, those rules or um, what, you've just, what you've just outlined there? Is that... I think so, because um, I knew what it meant when you were, you went to a hotel and how the people behind the desk and the management treated you and if you want to come back again. And I knew we had the great location, 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 location is what they say. Um, but I knew that people um, could go to a very high end hotel, but this was a budget hotel. And, and they didn't expect great service. So what ended up happening is that when they walk through the door and they've been repeat customers, we'd go, welcome back. How are you? What's happening? And people were like, who does that? Yeah. Um, and, and so they recommended us to their friends. And pretty soon we had this tremendous following. And um, it, it was extraordinary because, uh, you know, we were written up in all these guidebooks and newspapers and we got lots of press and and people were boy this is unique a bed and breakfast in the heart of Times Square yeah amazing <clears throat> what did what did you think um when your husband first introduced the idea to you of the one room to 41 room and, and in this area that wasn't as it is now uh, what were your initial thoughts 
Um, my initial thoughts were, I'm glad he has a job. <laughs> I said, I don't want to marry you until you have a stable income because he was in business, but but doing a bunch of things like donut shops and coffee shops. And, and I knew that um, this particular uh, venture with management of this hotel would be stable, even though we found out um, it was dangerous because of the clientele he had. But um, I was behind him 100%. I loved him dearly, and I knew that he could handle it. Wow. Wow. Fascinating. So we just got to the stage now with a 41-room yep. hotel, Times yep. Square. Yep. What, what's next for you, Gloria? Okay, so what happened is that we had a leasehold of about 30 years, and the people who owned the building, uh, Boston Properties, um, sold it to the Schubert organization, and... Um, uh, then uh, the Schubert organization said, we're going to demolish this building because uh, we have a demolition clause, which we did. And um, at, we had to leave. Uh, so it was um, <clears throat> a, a retirement that I wasn't really uh, thrilled about, but we knew going in. How, and, how did that um, feel though, Gloria? Because oh, you just... You just spent so many years building this yeah. up to what it was. Yeah. Putting yeah. your hearts, your energy, yeah. um, putting your stamp on it. When they said that mm. to you both, how was that? I was terrible, but um, we knew we had put money away. We knew there was a fixed life when he signed the lease at 79. It was a six-month demolition. Um, and my husband was uh, very practical. You know, this is the way it is. And... Um, he was uh, 77 or so, and he was about ready. But me, you know, I was like, oh, no, what am I going to do now? <laughs> I yeah. can't believe it. Um, and uh, it was psychologically kind of devastating. But at the same time, um, life has a strange way of, of, of creeping up and, and putting you into situations where things come out for the best. So um, he was about 77 and it turned out that he had heart issues and we had um, two years more where he was retired and I did some other things that I'm going to talk about right now uh, and those were some of the two best years that we spent together because he died two years later of, uh, of, of heart issues and um, looking back I, I would trade it for the world so I think that the liability issues and the stress on him and all of this he could never relax but once the hotel was no longer he just almost became a different person and so our marriage I think improved and I had two amazing years with him so uh, hopefully that answers your question yeah no it does no thank you thank you for sharing that thank you for sharing that and 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 what was your journey okay so what ended up happening is that uh I was thinking, should I go into the hotel business again? And we had other, you know, uh, friends who were in the business and perhaps another opportunity or two. And, you know, we just didn't want to gamble because we had gambled all our money, our life insurance, everything on this. And um, and so I decided uh, I wasn't going to do that. And I decided at 60, I wanted an adult bat mitzvah. So as you may or may not know, at 13, Boys and girls have 
bar mitzvah, bat mitzvah. But in my era, girls didn't get that. They got the dancing lessons. But mm. I always wanted a bat mitzvah. So I studied for about two years um, with a cantor friend of mine. And I did my bat mitzvah. And people flipped. They went, Gloria, you are amazing. You know, you should be a rabbi. And I said, at this point in my life, I can't spend five years in a seminary and go to Israel and become a rabbi, a little too old. But I found an independent um, uh, person who came from Hungary, was a Holocaust survivor and founded his own rabbinic seminary and interfaith seminary. And I studied with him about two and a half years and I was ordained and um, I my practice was all interfaith. So what it was is that I had a website and um, and people found me. And in the Jewish world, a lot of rabbis that are traditional will not marry people who are marrying out of the faith. So it was a, 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 a niche that was very important. But um, because I had been in business and I saved money and I w didn't necessarily need to support myself <clears throat> only here on the rabbi, I gave people oodles of time. I invited them to my apartment, the bridegroom. I, I, I visited theirs. I did outreach to their parents. I did counseling. So by the time they had this wedding a year, maybe from the time they hired me, it was as if I was part of their family. And when oh. I went up to do those uh, weddings and officiations, People, you know, they were 20 minutes, but they were real. They were warm. They were personal. And it was so empowering for me and for the couples. Uh, I did this for 10 years and I traveled uh, to Bermuda, and Turks, and someone went to um, uh, Lake Como at the top of Villa Babiano. Star Wars was positioned there. And um, now I'm doing their baby namings, the same couples that we're married, have baby namings, and I'm doing funerals. So uh, it was so uh, wonderful and gratifying until COVID hit. And then everything stopped. And um, it was pretty devastating to me because I lost my business, but I lost more of what I was, you know, empowering me and gratifying me. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> this year, 2021 things have come back but because of my age i'll be 75 in um in november i have one son and two grandchildren in seattle um i don't take officiations of 100 150 people standing in front of people even though i'm double vaxxed i i want to be more careful yeah so um so interestingly enough i mean i've done a few over the last uh, 18 months. But my son came up with an idea and he's 39. Probably the thing I'm most proud in the world of is him. Um, oh. And uh, he's just an amazing guy. Uh, he said, Mom, you know, some of the same skill sets you have um, for your rabbi world and your teaching world. You Did you ever think of life coaching? And I said, no, I never really have because he had done some coaching himself of for he's a businessman and he used a coach. So uh, last July, when everything was shut down, I enrolled in a course in Jersey, IPEC, and it was very intense. It was eight months, 90 hours of webinars and 50 hours of coaching and all of this. And I was certified um, late spring 
and I launched my coaching career. And I wanted to, um, to tell my story because when I was in advertising or any of the careers I had, uh, people weren't using coaches. You didn't really have resources and help the way you do. And I had to balance all this stuff myself. I was a businesswoman. I was a mother. I was a, a wife. I was, you know, I was running around like crazy in New York, running the streets and trying to hold it together. And, um, and now, you know, women are in a, a tough situation because <clears throat> with COVID, kids are home. They're not home. It's hybrid. They want to, you know, advance into their careers, but then they have to be with their kids. They want time with their husbands, but the husbands are stressed. So um, I, I, I think there's a lot of opportunity to help people, particularly in this pandemic and post-pandemic era. Yeah, completely. Com- completely agree. Uh, just a couple of observations and a couple of questions, if you're okay. Um, firstly, I don't believe you're 75. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you're so kind. Where, where, where do you get all your energy from? How, how, because when you're talking, you know, you're talking so passionately with, with such energy and with such life. And, and you can see it's, it's oozing. Where, where do you get your energy from? <laughs> you know, uh, that's a really great question. No one has ever asked me that. But uh, I think that I've always been a pretty positive person with the glass half full. And I think also I'm an exercise person. I've been swimming laps for 30 years, working out. And um, I think that I have a healthy lifestyle. Um, The other part of it is that I try to surround myself with um, very positive people. And um, I, I, if, if something is toxic, I run away. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you uh, if, if you do all those and then I guess, you know, maybe my dad's my dad and mom, you know, they just sort of said you can do it. Um, and my brother's kind of the same way. So the other the last thing is um, I have great gratitude for what I have in my life and I feel very, very fortunate. So maybe that that kind of energy is transpiring yeah yeah hmm. there's, that, there's definitely something it's coming it's coming across in 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 your body language and your in your words as well it's, it's amazing amazing to see and and thank you you you've just outlined your journey through five i think four, four or five separate careers all completely different as well um what's going to be career number six <laughs> <laughs> um that's an interesting question um I, I think maybe I would do <clears throat> some sort of fitness uh, uh, coaching, meditation, wellness, because I think that um, I listened to a webinar last night from my doctor's office. I'm part of a, uh, a part of that, that and the, the man, the doctor was talking about people living exponentially to 90 and 90 is a new 40. And so um, I think that uh, people at advanced age, and I'll be that way, are going to need some some counseling and help about how to really get the most out of their life, inclusive of exercise, coaching, fitness, uh, redoing their lives career-wise, and maybe I can start a business. (laughs) So so when I I asked the question, Gloria, 
I um I wasn't expecting you to have an answer for career number six. Because, oh, okay. Yeah, no, no, but only but but I think that tells you so much about yourself and your your appetite for life and for giving back and helping people because the answer that you've given is just is is just helping people in in a different way. Um, mm. Have you always um, helped people? I think so. Um, I think that. Uh... You know, there's something in me um, that propels me to speak truth to power, to tell my friends things, to be the confidant, to keep my mouth shut when people confide in me. And um, a funny thing happened to me when I was doing the um, the coaching class. We would we would be on Zoom, of course, and most of the people there were between 30 and 40, and um, and they would tell their stories and we would all have to coach each other. And all of a sudden people would say to me, Oh my God, Gloria, you are so wise. You, you are. And no one had ever said that to me. <clears throat> and I realized that that's that I was, it was coming from kind of a lifetime of, of helping people, of being attuned to what people's needs were and of, of, of synthesizing the life experiences that I've had in my life so that I could help other people. And, and so I, I think that it gives me great satisfaction. I mean, everyone could be richer than they are, but there's a, there's something um, in the Torah. If you uh, save one life, you save the world. And um, you know, that's kind of the way I, I look at it. Love that. Love it. Love it. And you, you said a couple of minutes ago that, um, that you, you ideally help and, and coach um, ladies and fe females. And the, the first female I'd like to ask you to, uh, to maybe coach is, is what advice would you give your younger mm. self when you were just starting that first career when you were in the minority as one of the only ladies doing what you were doing? What advice would knowing what you know now would you would you share with your younger hmm. self? Yeah, interesting question. Um, I think the advice is uh, time management and boundaries. So uh, I think uh, I would say to myself, younger, uh, your your uh, ability to say no is perhaps the most important thing you could do. And you have to have the boundaries between your life and your um, work. And you have to know uh, where you want to go and what's important to you in life and stick to it. Uh, and it's easy to be, you know, to be swayed by getting involved uh, 12 hours a day working and this. And then I, I should spend more time with my kid. I should spend more time with my husband. But if you can assert those boundaries and, and, and be definitive on what your goals are, then you will have a great sense of purpose. And I think you'll have more energy. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And, and, and so I guess those boundaries create the, um, the ability mm -hmm. to say no, like you, like you said, and okay. Yeah, yeah, good. Really good. Really good. And then this, the second um, lady that I'd like you to, uh, to to offer advice to is is the one that has just been told they've they've, um, they've with, with, with her husband they've just uh, they've gone from a one room to a forty one room uh, built really successful hotel and then they're then told that they're going to knock the building down and 
yeah. uh, or, or, or demolish it. Mm, yeah. And and you just put your heart, soul, energy into this. What advice or and, and how would you support that person? Yeah, I think that uh, the advice is that you feel the feelings because they are real. Disappointment, devastation. Oh, no. Um, and uh, <clears throat> you feel them and you process them and you talk about them. But then you say, okay, what is my next move? Where am I going? What is the reality on the ground? And what have I learned from this um, particular uh, vocation? And what, what is that going to do to guide me? Because if you, too many people are stuck, I think, in the reality of what happens. And it, if there's a negative problem or energy or whatever, and it, it doesn't allow them to propel. But I think that my husband being a Holocaust survivor and basically having to rebuild his entire life and was an inspiration really helped me. And it gave me um, really the, the sense of what does it mean to take what you've had and then go to the next step and realize there is a next step. Your life isn't over. <laughs> it's just beginning to something else. And I, I contend that, you know, some of this next steps for me are some of the more gratifying of my life. Yeah, completely. So wait, just, on, just on that, what you just said there about your, how your husband inspired you, um, but based on his um, journey and story, um, how, how did his experience change you? I think that uh, his experience was, was so powerful. Uh, he, um, he was from a small town in Belarus, and um, he had a sister, mother and dad, obviously. And when the Germans uh, shot up the ghetto where they were in 42, he ran across a bridge with his father and uncle and his mother and sister. His mother and sister didn't make it. They were shot and he went into the woods with the partisans, lived there for two years. And it was in a DP camp um, after the war and came here when he was about 14 or 15. Um, and uh, he, his life was, uh, was so scarred and uh, he overcame all of that. It was... <clears throat> It was amazing that he could create a, a business life and that he could trust and that he had great warmth and love inside of him. So what his life inspired me is that if he could overcome all of this and I could help him be the person that he could trust when the whole world you know, went down, as it were, um, it was a great partnership. Uh, the other thing is that um, he went back to Belarus five times and with other survivors, he created a monument to the Jews that died uh, in the war and restored the Jewish cemetery of 500 years old. And so I was there with him and saw and then got very involved in the Holocaust education. So um, I actually did a film. I'd never done it. Oh, I should mention that. Yeah. <laughs> I never did a film myself, but I wanted my grandchildren to know about him and his life. So I did a lot of research at YIVO, which is a Jewish organization, research organization in Yiddish. And, um, and then I took pictures and videos that, that my brother, who's a photojournalist, and myself took. 
and I created a film that's posted wow. on YouTube. Um, it's called A Man from Druja, D-R-U-J-A. And it's about his life and what his uh, town was like in the 30s and 40s before the war. And then his journey to succeed and our love story. So um, wow. I think that your question opened it up and um, and not only did he inspire me as a human being, but he inspired me in terms of um, being not a filmmaker by any means. But I was shocked when the whole film came to fruition <laughs> and it it's actually been accepted at all the major Holocaust museums uh, wow. for their libraries. Wow. Wow. Amazing, amazing. How there's so many, there's there's so many, or there's so much in what you've shared in the last 35 minutes, Gloria. How would you summarize your journey currently? Currently? Yeah. Um yeah. I would be, say be, and the only reason I say currently, sorry, is because you've still got career five, career six, career seven, career eight. Thank you. I love it. Um, I think I'd summarize it uh, with um, saying that I am very positive and very excited to, um, to help people in a different way, perhaps than I've done before. And that I am also at a point where I can make a difference in my son and grandchildren's lives and they're four and six in Seattle. And I'm about to go there in October, be my second trip in the last three or four months. So I'm looking forward to developing um, a very close relationship with them, even though they're far away by yeah. being there. No, I love that, love that. Would you see yourself as successful, Gloria? I would, yeah. I, I, I would say that I'm successful with, that sounds like I'm not humble and <laughs> I'm uncomfortable with that because, you know, again, I'm not a super rich woman, but I feel like I'm successful financially so that I'm okay money wise and I'm more successful. And the more important thing is I'm successful as a human being so that when people look back and I look back at my life, um, I don't have to say woulda, coulda, shoulda. Yeah. I love that. I love that. You um, and I think success is is individual, isn't it? And, and a lot of people chase material things. When you said uh, about 15, 20 minutes ago, your greatest achievement is your thirty nine year old son. Yeah. I think Despite everything else that you that you spoke about, that it shows what is important to you, uh, where your values are, and and when we spoke about what career number six was going to be, it was another career to give back to different people in a different way, based on your own learning and story. So. So yeah, so so I, I just want to say thank you so much for sharing sharing your journey. Um, what are you having for your tea? So tea is evening meal. <laughs> what are you having for your tea today, Gloria? Ah, uh, let's see, wild salmon, sweet potatoes, salad with nuts on it, and a special <laughs> dinner dessert because I've enjoyed your <laughs> podcast so much. A brownie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think you did. I mean, I think you deserve two brownies. If I'm honest, Gloria. Oh, thank <laughs> you. You're so sweet. Amazing. Honestly, I just want to say thank you so much for for sharing your jo your journey, your story, your lessons. If people want to find out more about you, Gloria, where would they go? What yeah, would they do? What would they um, 
Sure. GloriaMilner.com is my coaching website. I'm also on LinkedIn, uh, Facebook. You can ask to friend me. And uh, uh, RabbiGloria.com is my website for the rabbi. I'm actually doing officiations and uh, other things in the rabbinic world as well. So wow. I want to thank you very much for allowing me the space to tell my story. No, honestly, it's been an absolute pleasure and a delight to it. And I guess one final question then, because uh, it's, just, it's just in my head now. What, what is, if, if, if you could pass on one piece of learning from, from your journey so far mm. to, to everybody, what would be that, that single um, piece of advice? When you want to do something and you're into perfectionist tendencies and you're not sure, think about whatever you're doing that might be a B minus to you is an A plus to the rest of the world. And just do it. Don't obsess. Don't put it off. Just get it out there, whatever it is, or get with it. Because, um, you know, you might have higher standards than the rest of the world. <laughs> amazing amazing gloria i just want to say thank you so much for your time today it's been an absolute pleasure to chat with you and learn more about you your story and your journey so, so thank you very much and good luck with that everything else that you've got going on thank you so much it's been a joy to be with you thanks for listening to business problems solved you can contact lee on linkedin facebook instagram or twitter by searching for Lee Horton, the business problem solver, or via visiting www.leehorton.com for more content and to solve your business problems. And remember, saying you know how to do it is not doing it.